and welcome back to the Scenario 7 podcast. My name is Sam and this week I'm joined by my lovely two co-hosts, it's Josh Bacon and Joe Roberts. How are you two doing? I'm doing good, Sam. We're back, Joe. We're back to go for once and we're already talking over each other. Let's go. No, it's because I usually do it and... Uh, the chemistry between you two it's just quite unbelievable really you can tell you're rusty you two being together you can tell you can tell tell i've been here more than josh oh guys there's there's a lot more important things to argue about and especially with this race let's let's not start here but yeah we've got the og3 back together and we're here for a saudi arabian grand prix review and oh my goodness me, there was a lot to break down. That race is the most crazy race. Uh, for, I don't even know, for ages, forever maybe. I don't really know. It was mental. But what do you guys think of the race? I mean, that was just unreal. Now, Josh, I'll let you go, go first. Oh, so kind of you, Jamie. <laughs> I think, just like you're trying to sum it up there, it's just... What words can't describe what happens today, really. It's, it's a bit all over the place, chaotic. No one knows what's going on. Drivers spinning off, crashing everywhere. And yeah, just a bit of everything. But for a neutral fan, um, it probably is one of the best races they've probably ever watched, ever witnessed. But if you're a fan of a specific driver or just, I don't know, just a general F1 fan, it was just crazy compared to usual. Yeah, I think it was mental. I think it's 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 getting like the tension between the teams is starting to boil even more, and I would say it's getting more explosive than I think in two thousand six and two thousand seven when no sorry two thousand seven two thousand eight when Ferrari and McLaren were batting out, even though McLaren basically fell over themselves. But it, it started to getting even even hotter and I think as I don't think the I was I was listening to like the um after pre after the the race um none of the um people kind of hinted would Verstappen do a Senna and just take um Hamilton out I don't know if there's any points deduction that the FIA can do if that scenario happens but that that is a very scenarios we probably talk about later on in this podcast that max i think is very much prepared to take somebody out in order to get this championship over the line Mm, yeah i mean you're really jumping the gun there as i we were going to talk about that a bit later but we can still talk about it later but let's start at the beginning of the weekend we're not going to have a chat about qualifying i'll just sum up what happened lewis put an amazing lap in and max drove into a wall it's basically all that happened in qualifying. Max was absolutely destroying the track. He, he was just doing unbelievably well. And then put it in the wall, despite being two tenths up. And the Alpha Tauris were great. That's all I really have to say about qualifying, because that was the least eventful thing of the weekend. Now, <laughs> let's talk about the race. And the drama really started on lap 10. I'm not, I thought some more action would happen before that. I thought the start would be a bit more chaotic and I thought, thought there'd be a, a bit more action, but it really all kicked off on lap 10 when uh, Mick Schumacher crashed in the same place that Leclerc and Porsche did over the weekend, deploying a safety car. 
Then on lap 12, both the Mercedes pit and don't split strategies, which I have an issue with. But yeah, here we are. And then lap 14, red flag to fix the barrier. So many questions about this. First question I'm going to pose you is, I think it's um, turn 22. I might be wrong, but that section of the track is a bit too dangerous, isn't it? No, it's it's the same level as dangerous as Arouge. It's the same level as dangerous as um, uh, the Japan one thirty R. It's as in every single track has danger dangerous corners. Even like um, uh, not the Camel Straight. Uh, I forgot. Even like some corners in like um, Silverstone are dangerous. As in every track is dangerous. It's even like Imola. As dangerous corner. That's one of like the most dangerous tracks in the world. Um, it, I, I would put Saudi Arabia up there in in F one terms, but it's it's just it's it's just talent. You need to have the talent in order to and the car, obviously, in order to get through those series of corners. But it's yeah, it, it makes me Mac just pushed it too hard and and spun. Yeah, I think. It's just because it's so narrow and so fast. Like this, the fastest street circuit, I think, in the world. I think that's what they were saying. So, like Joe says, there are dangerous uh, parts of every track across the world. It's just this one can be can be seen to be more dangerous because of how narrow it is and how fast they're going through each corner. Which is why I think you you Sam think it is dangerous or more dangerous than other tracks, but. When you look at it from the terms of what Joe's been saying and obviously how fast they're going, then yes, it can be classed as dangerous, but the the cars and the drivers are perfectly capable of being safe throughout the track and not doing what Nick did, or did eventually did. But obviously you can always lose a lapse of judgment. But yeah, I think it can look dangerous from those who don't watch F1 regularly, but there's definitely, you can be controlled within the environment? Uh, I don't know. For me, this track, it's just... I, I was nervous the whole race, and not even for, like, a driver, just for their lives. It's so fast, and it's just consistently fast mm. the whole time. And for me, it was just, like, heart and mouth stuff. It might have been just because before that I watched an F2 and I saw two people leaving an ambulance after a crash and... The whole weekend was just filled with crashes. And for me, you want to see wheel-to-wheel racing. You don't want to see people get hurt. And this track is just too dangerous, in my opinion. But uh, I'm going to move on for it and pose the other question about this uh, about this incident. So Schumacher crashed into the barriers. And the FIA thought the first mistake of the weekend, in my opinion, because the FIA went absolutely shambles, but um, they decided to bring out a safety car and then four laps later, red flag it. Both Mercedes had pit. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy at Red Bull. I think Mercedes were dumb not to split strategies and one just to stay in front. However, when Porsche crashed in F2, immediate red flag. When Leclerc pit in practice, immediate red flag. I don't know why they looked at this incident and thought, we'll get the safety car out and just keep keep it going. I, 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 it, the mind boggles. What I don't know if you guys agree with me, but for me, 
it should have been red flagged immediately. Yeah, all, continu- all continued. Uh, I, I, I may, I'm going to make this short, so sorry to interrupt George, but I think it, it, it should have been red flagged or just safety car. But for, for me, if it's, it's kind of ruined, I would say, because we'll probably get onto another thing with this stupid red flagged rule. And I com- completely agree with Landon Norris when it's just, the FIA this week and I think we've been probably the worst this season in terms of the fact that they haven't been on it with like um, like flags, like your safety cars, virtual safety cars and all that stuff. And I do agree with you, Sam, there should have been an instant red flag. So then Bottas, Hamilton, um, Norris, who were the others that pitted Vettel? I think Stroll, Stroll pitted. And then Leclerc, then Perez could have just stayed out. They 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 kind of gained an advantage to the others who basically carried on. And yeah, is put for me as an unfair advantage. Yeah, it was um when I saw it, I just thought it was just it was just strange because obviously with the nature of the track being so so narrow and so fast, anyone could have even under a safety car could have gone into the exact same place where Mick's car was, making the incident even worse. So like you said, I don't understand why they didn't bring a red flag out straight away. But then like Joe's been saying, it just, it makes it worse not waiting four more laps to bring out because then people are going to pit, go down the order, and those that didn't pit then gain an advantage and so on and so on. And I I think um, from what Joe was saying, I think what he was trying to say, I'm in agreement with him of why should those who didn't pit officially during the race be allowed to pit or change tires under a red flag? It just it just doesn't sit right with with me because then it just gives them a, a massive advantage because they don't lose any seconds like like 20 seconds for a normal pit stop and just get a free tire change whilst everyone else is sitting there waiting. So it was a, st- a stupid decision. And one of many throughout the whole race, unfortunately, which would make it interesting, but then also for some drivers, it just ruined their races. But yeah, I think just a lapse in judgment from the FIA there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that the fact you can change tyres under a red flag is so stupid. The FIA shoot themselves in the foot with some of their rules. Like It's so... It's, it's unfair. Admittedly, we've had incidents with I think it was Pierre Gasly at Mons where he probably wouldn't have won where he got to change his tyres under under um, a red flag and it kind of helped him to win so you get moments like that but I I mean you have former racers you have Sky analysts like Karun Chandok was also like I have no idea why you can change tyres under red flag I, I think it's just really stupid it's, it's just a rule that the F, it shoots the FI in the foot it's it's, for me, it's a stupid rule, and they, they have to remove it because it, it gave Max a massive advantage, and those people who pit... I mean, it, it would have probably been fine. We probably wouldn't be talking about this if the red flag came out straight away and everyone just pisses under red flag, but because the safety car had come out first, oh, it, it, it was very stupid. But um, you then had the safety car restart, 
and another red flag. Woo! <laughs> this this race was truly mental. You had a red flag for two different incidents. First of all, you had Perez and Leclerc colliding after the restart. Leclerc was against the wall and Perez was basically pushing against the wall, but he couldn't go right because there was a car next to him. Both of them at the stewards, uh, which I think is quite strange because, in my opinion, I'm not sure what you guys think. It was just a, a quite simply a racing incident. Yeah, I um, completely agree. A racing incident because when you watch the onboards from mainly Perez's point of view, he was in between, I think, Leclerc and was it Ocon or was it Ocon or someone else? It might have been. Might have been. Um, he was stuck in between two drivers. And also you had Danny Reckless in front of him who was like on and off the power because people in front of him were doing the same thing. So it just made the situation complicated and he didn't have anywhere else to go. He was trying to get around the corner and pull away. But then obviously the, the, coming out of turn two, you have still straight into to turn three with a little kink in the wall, which is where, um, which is why um, Perez looked like it came across Charles, but literally Charles had nowhere to go. So. I agree with Sam, it was a completely racing incident. I, I'm going to say that it was Verstappen that caused Perez to get out in the way that, if, if you look at it in the way that, so then it's just obviously Verstappen goes round, goes on over the curb, causing Hamilton to go slowly. Then Ocon has to back out. Then Ricardo has to back out, even though he's, on the curb, he has to back out because Ocon is slowed down. So there's a knock-on effect. And then when everything suddenly like funnels through, you then got three cars congested into um, basically a space. And yeah, I, I, I agree. It's not Perez's fault. It's not Leclerc's fault. It's probably a racing incident. But if you're looking at it from a, like a point of view, it's all Max's fault because he basically cause a chain um a chain of um that basically caused that incident mm, yeah no it, it was certainly a, a chain reaction after certain things happened at the front but it's not as if max could get penalized for it it was just like uh, a racing incident and uh, it was just really unlucky for uh perez who dnf'd and leclerc nowhere to go so it wasn't his fault on at the same time you had george russell um, gets hit in the back by Mazepin. I still haven't, re- I still haven't seen George's point of view, but I'm guessing he's just breaking because of the carnage in front of him. And Mazepin just kind of gets really unlucky again. Nothing he could really do. There's no real debate for that because it was no one's fault, was it? It was just kind of, um, it, it was just kind of both of them being unlucky. So We'll move on to the next big, uh, next incident, lap 23. So the restart after the next red flag was fine, but the virtual safety car, the first, I think it was the first of the afternoon on lap 23, uh, came out after Sonoda collided with Vettel. Five-second penalty proceeded for Sonoda. I think that was a fair punishment. What do you guys think? Agree. Yeah, that's a shot. Yeah, it was just a. Uh, I agree as well. It's a bit, a bit silly. Um, uh, trying to come in, come inside behind Vessel. But um, yeah, definitely worth a five second penalty. Yeah, it, it was. I felt for Seb so much because then you have on lap thirty, he collided with Raikkonen. 
uh, bringing out another virtual safety car. Raikkonen, oh, it was such a stupid move. I don't really know why Raikkonen went for it because Vettel was half off the track anyway, and he tried to go around the outside of him. Mate, he's not half of his car isn't on the track anywhere. I don't know. Oh, it it was very. It looked, it was almost naive, which is so strange for someone with Kimi's experience. But it just summed up a really unlucky afternoon for Vettel because from being hit twice, he had carbon fibre flying everywhere. I, I don't blame them for retiring in the end because honestly, all that would be left is probably some suspension and tyres because everything was falling off. He had uh, oh, underbody damage, sideboard damage. He just had every kind of damage. It was really unlucky for him. But um, yeah, it, none of them were his fault. But now let's get on to the con- the controversy. So lap 37, this is not the most controversial one, but um, Hamilton goes around the outside of Max, makes a move. But Max forces him off, and the stewards deemed that Max gained an advantage for it and got a five-second penalty. It kind of reminded me of what happened in Brazil. And Verstappen didn't really get penalised in Brazil, but um, it's nice to see the FIA nice and consistent. But um, what, what do, do you agree with the five-second penalty? I mean, he, he did gain an advantage. Oh, yeah. I don't. I just don't understand the FIA honestly <laughs> as in Brazil it looked blatant as I remember Martin Brundle saying it's it was a blatant penalty um it was more as in yeah and then after the race Damon Hill said that it's a more a blatant penalty uh, no sorry the Brazil was a more of a blatant penalty than that one as in Max just overcooked it just slightly and then there's also argument to say Lewis then slightly overcooked it, but then um, I think Max went a bit too hot. I, I I do agree with the penalty, but it's as you again, Sam. It's a level a level of um, consistency with the stewarding decisions is just a bit vary, and I don't understand why the the Red Bull didn't get a chance of just giving the place back. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to stay away from the FIA talk and just focus on the two drivers themselves. But um, I was talking to my dad whilst it was happening, and we were both just in agreement of the different. The main difference between Lewis and Max is that for Max, it's all or nothing. You saw that in qualifying; he was pushing as hard as he can and made the mistake to crash and give up a pole when he could have just settled for. Well, it was third, but he could have settled for second if we just uh, didn't push as hard, which I think in the other way around, Lewis would have done, because he would have then said to himself, I'll, I'll just get you during the race. What's the point in ruining my chances the next day right now? And then obviously he came to the race and the amount of times where Lewis was pretty much past Verstappen before going into the turn. And Verstappen was just like, I'm not having this. So I'm just going to not break enough or just send it up, up the inside around the outside. It's like, he just needs to learn to just control himself and just like, oh, if I'd let him have it this time, but I'll get him back next time, which you, which is good enough to do. It's just a bit, he's a bit too hot-headed, hot-headed for, for what he, for how good he is, I think, if that makes sense. I think once he learns to control that, then world champions will come to him easily because he's good enough for it. But he's just, 
it's just a bit silly when it comes to trying to defend a lead or just win in general, I think. Mm. But you say more time it will come to him. I know he's still young, but he's been in the sport now for, what, like six years? He's been in the sport for a long time. And he's not as bad as he was at first, but he was still... He gives no one any respect because there's almost unwritten rules on the racetrack. You respect each other's drivers. Max does not have any of that. The amount of time he will push someone off track if it's going to have an advantage for him. And yes, it's good racing, but he takes it too far and he always takes it too far. And I really like Max, but today I was shouting at the TV so, so much. And never mind for this next incident that we're going to talk about. So this was on lap 38, literally a lap later. Max was told to give the position back and he slow. It was such a confusing incident. He slows down and Lewis hits the back of him. And I'm going to criticise the FIA again here because they decided that they would tell Red Bull to give the position back before they told Mercedes so Lewis hadn't actually been told that Verstappen was that Verstappen was slowing down for that reason, and he was just confused. The the FIA have to tell surely go to Hamilton first and go. By the way, in a minute, Max is going to give this position back. Which do you know, he yeah, it, it took him so many times to do it. But uh, although that was the instant after, but he. The FI has to go to Lewis and be like, right, there's good, we give position back, and then go to Red Bull, you have to get the position back. So Lewis can be ready. Lewis hadn't been told, and then Lewis hits the back of him. It was the FIA's fault, but that a lot of blame has to go down to Max for that, surely. He pretty much break checked him. Yeah, I'm just looking up. I remember um somebody saying in one of the uh, Discord, um things that um, that if if he's found guilty you could get a 30 second penalty which would put him i think fourth i think if i can which i kind of hope doesn't happen because i think the excitement obviously i do want lewis hamilton win because obviously i support the british drivers if mclaren aren't doing well um but i hope i, I honestly do hope this is it's level on points and just creates the build-up and the excitement to it. But that breach, it, it definitely, yeah, I, I do think it was a break check because he went to a constant speed um, and then braked and then went slow down again and then suddenly stopped. Lewis, Lewis hit the back of him and then obviously then Verstappen just went bang. And I'm thinking there's something very weird, I think, happened there. but. I don't know. It's 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 as 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 Josh said. Max's Verstappen's etiquette at the moment is probably the worst I've actually seen. You know, like, yeah, I've seen because he doesn't care about anybody. He's a bit like um, Hamilton first year in two thousand and seven, a bit hot headed, um, not give anybody respect, but. It's it's as even though you you said so he's been in the sport for seven years he should kind of mature from doing that and I just don't understand what what happened um, with 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 Max. 
with yeah with that breach. Yeah. Yeah, this this incident is it's too difficult to, to call without without all the information like the telemetry and all the sort all the onboards put together all at once. But I think from my view, I I I don't agree with the both of you saying it was a break check. I think it was more of it wasn't at a consistent speed the whole time. It was more of on off on off just because they're both confused. Probably is he coming past? Does he know he's being allowed past? Have I been told the right thing? Like, should I be letting him pass? So I think definitely more of the blame should go to the FIA with the way they've gone about it. With, like, agree with you, Sam, with tell the person, the driver behind before you tell the driver in front so they're prepared for when it happens. Um, but then it just, the whole situation is just, it's just weird. It's, it's never seen, it's, it was unforeseen. It's probably not going to happen again, but it's just too, too, in my opinion, it's too tough to call to say, oh, it was this person's fault or it was this person's fault or, or this happened or this happened. There were too many different scenarios. Like I was watching uh, the, the pre, the, the after show um, on uh, Sky Sports and they had so many different scenarios of like, they were both going slowly because there was a DRS detection zone just before the corner and none of them wanted to be in front and then they wouldn't get DRS. Or if they didn't get told this, they didn't get told that. So I don't really have a view yet. I think it's too tough to call. It was just really stupid from probably both of them because there was some space earlier on, but then when it ha- when the crash happened, it was there wasn't enough space. But yeah, you can probably tell I'm still confused now. But yeah, I, I, I don't really have a opinion on or a direct view of what I think happened. Mm, yeah, it was certainly a very confusing incident. And yeah, there's definitely a lot of things that are going to be taken into account. The FIA are investigating, so I'll be interested to see what comes from that. I loved Toto Wolf's reaction. Oh my goodness me, this guy after Brazil, I didn't think it could get any better. I, I really did, but somehow Sky, get the slow motion as well. Oh, if it was a normal speed, it would be good. But the fact that it's in slow motion, just seeing him shout and then just slamming the uh, the headset against the table, it was the oh, it was sensational. And I also want to add the FIA radio. Oh, that what an addition to the sport! What what a great addition that was. Just hearing both of them just moaning to. Michael Massey and Michael Massey just being confused. Also, another thing, now I've just remembered another FIA bone that I want to pick with them. When, um, I think it was under red flag, when Max was told to give the position back, Michael Massey was like, I have a, I have a suggestion for you. Or I, have a, I don't remember the wording he used. I think it was something like that. I have a proposition. How about you give the space back? I don't know why he's asking like for a negotiation about it. You're the FIA. You make the decisions. If I, I don't understand why he was like, let's have a, let's have a negotiate about this. Let's let's have a talk. Let's talk it through. No, you're the rule makers. You're the one who wrote, make the rules. You're the ones that control. You have seen this incident. You decide if it's bad. You don't need to negotiate with them. It, that was beyond stupid. I I don't know what you guys think, but that, to me, 
Oh, it really annoyed me. The, the FIA really got under my skin th- th- today. I'm not going to lie to you. Really annoyed me. I, I, we can tell, Sam. Yeah. You, you yeah. can tell in your voice. But yeah, I, I, I thought it was fine. I think if they um, didn't give it back, it would have been a like five-second penalty and then the race would be over. That even from lap, I think it was lap 10 when the proposition came past. But yeah, I do also agree with you, the fact that it's the FIA's authority to, at the end of the day. But it's just, yeah. Yeah, at the moment, F, the FIA have been, um, the last, like, I would say six races have been quite bad. Um, of all the th- of all the things that uh, the FIA were doing in this race, I think this was the one that made the most sense in my view because I think ha- giving them a proposition of because Ocon was the one that made this complicated. If Ocon wasn't there, then it would have been a simple swap. But giving them the the proposition of saying we want Ocon to go first, Hamilton to be second, and you to be third because of X, Y, and Z reasons X, Y, and Z. Um, I think. That makes a lot of sense because the way I think Martin Brundle was explaining it during commentary is that the FIA are not, are not the stewards. So they were saying because it's a red flag situation, there wasn't any racing going on. The FIA can step in and basically take charge, which is what it did. And they, they gave Red Bull the, the opportunity to say, so you can either drop a position or we can give it to the stewards who then will most likely give you a penalty which then affects you further on in the race. So I think it was clever or a good decision from the FIA to propose this idea to Mercedes and Red Bull and see and wait to see if they agree or disagree. And obviously, if they didn't, if they disagreed, then it would have gone to the stewards, and then probably they would have got a worse a worse outcome. So I think it was quite smart from from the FIA, in my opinion. Mm, you you make some interesting points, but for me, you've just got to be stern. You just got to go right, Max. What's going to happen is you're going to start in third. Hamilton's going to be in second, and Ocon in first. We don't need to discuss it. We've seen what's happened. We don't need. If you want to go to the stewards, I mean, you can. But this is what's going to happen, and just be firm because they are. They're not consistent. They weren't firm. They annoy me very much. <laughs> oh, I, I'm just trying to calm myself down just from the FIA. But um, let's let's move on to our team by team breakdown, starting with, of course, Mercedes and Red Bull. We've talked a lot in detail about a few of the drivers. We haven't mentioned Bottas that much, um, so maybe talk a bit about him. But how would you what how how would you compare their weekends, um, Saturday and Sunday? Um, yeah, how, how how would you compare them? Who do you think uh, came on top? I, I I don't I don't really know. Just talk about Mercedes and Red Bull. I think it's I think it's obvious. I think this week it's definitely obvious that Mercedes had the the better week in the Red Bull because obviously Perez crashed and then Verstappen didn't win, and then Bottas amazingly the very last second overtaking Ocon right at the end on the on the line. So yeah, it's definitely clear in my view that. Mercedes had the better weekend. Even on Saturday, I think they had because they were one-two. So Mercedes definitely had the the stronger, better weekend. And I think it just shows how Red Bull, when they won the constructors, first of when they won the constructors, um, they had no competition really. It was literally just Vettel and 
them winning. So I think when they've got competition like Mercedes now, I think it just it shows that they're just there's something at Mercedes like mentally stronger than at Red Bull because of how they were dealing with situations and controlling them. So forget about that and just forgot to talk about this race. Mercedes definitely had the better weekend than Red Bull. Yeah, I, I think Red Bull have bottled the constructors and the drivers' championship in a way that is, I think, quite as in if you look at the, I think the last, I think I remember you, Sam. I think before, not before Brazil, for Mexico. I think, I think we're all kind of thinking, okay, Red Bull on top, Red Bull gonna win the constructors, the drivers' title quite comfortably. Um, I don't think Mercedes even ste- have stepped up in extra gear. I just think the performance of the whole Red Bull team, I think being quite aggressive towards the stewards, the Mercedes hierarchy, trying to get under the skin but failing miserably, I think it's kind of eroded um, the performance in their team and also made Max very hot-headed and... Um, a bit stupid at times. Um, I don't know if that's caused by Adrian, uh, uh, not Adrian, or no, um, uh, Helmut Marco or uh, Jos Verstappen or or um, Christian Horner. But yeah, Mercedes, yeah, Red Bull are basically having a, a shocker. I wouldn't be surprised if Lewis Hamilton wins the title and Bottas gets second in in that race. Um, Mercedes again just being very very solid and professional mm, yeah no they they haven't bottled it yet I think they've pretty much bottled the dry uh the constructors but they haven't yet bottled the drivers because you know level on points going to Abu Dhabi that is going to be that is going to be interesting but yeah shout out to Valtteri Bottas who got p3 on the line um, I felt so bad for Ocon. I I really did. We'll go on to talk about it in a set, but oh, poor man, he did so well. But um, yeah, a good drive from Bottas to get P three, and it, it's so funny that after such a uh, a race with so much carnage, we end up with the same Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas podium, which seems to be the podium that, like for so many years now. It's such. I'm sure it's one of the most uh, common podiums in F1 history or something like that. But yeah, a bit crazy. But let's move on to McLaren and Ferrari. Ricardo finally had a good drive after a after a barren spell of a lot of things going wrong. But um, yeah, McLaren getting 11 points this week with Ferrari getting 10. So McLaren edge closer ever so slightly. But Ferrari have this in the bag realistically but yeah what do you think about uh their uh their comparison over the weekend uh Ferrari as in as one well, well I think the the um I wouldn't say number two drivers because I don't think they really are but I think in that in the race um the number two drivers at Ferrari McLaren um basically got helped out by the red flag considering um, uh, Ricardo started hard, so they went fifth. Um, when I think it was like ninth, I think Leclerc was like, I think the biggest loser, he was like fourth, then suddenly was eighth, and then Sainz 
I think was 15th and then stayed out and then was eighth. And then obviously the, the biggest, um, yeah. And then Norris was, I think fifth and then suddenly got to 14th. So I, I think it's, it. I don't think Ricardo had a decent drive. I think he just got very lucky. Um, and same with science as well. Um, but I would agree with you, Sam. I don't think Ferrari have this in the bag. I think McLaren haven't stepped their car up enough. Um, but also, I think most teams are looking towards 2022 rather than focusing on the end of the season. I, I would say the only four car, the four, sorry, four teams are looking at the constructors is Alpine and Alpha Tauri with also Mercedes and Red Bull. Those are the only four teams I was I would think are actually caring about the constructors at the moment. Yeah, I think Joe's pretty much summed it up. Two of their drivers got really lucky. The other two drivers, not so lucky. Um, especially uh, Leclerc, he was fourth and dropped down quite far. And then Lando uh, dropped down far and then got stuck behind the crash, which then put him last. Well, officially last, but there were still drivers out. But um, yeah, Ferrari, unfortunately, do have it in the bag for the constructors. I can't see McLaren beating them unless both of the Ferraris crash out in Abu Dhabi, which is very, very unlikely. Um, which is annoying because of how well how well they've been going all season. Just for it to happen in this way at the end, it's it's disheartening. But um I think deserved from Ferrari to be fair because they've developed their car and they've they've brought it back and they've had some good results. Even today, to be fair, I think it was seventh and eighth, was it for both of them? From what happened, it's not exactly a, a bad result for them. So this shows how 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 well they are in a team as a team and how well they can do and go through the hard times and get through it. So um both we I think in general both teams didn't have a great weekend, but I think they'll be satisfied with what happened. Mm, yeah, no, Ferrari definitely have peaked at the right time. They were solid and then towards the end, them peaking. Their their drive lineup, excellent. They they've had a really good season and towards the end they've just they've just wrapped it up. So definitely props to them. Now let's move on to Alpha Tauri, Aston Martin, Alpine, the midfield battle and Aston Martin. Uh <laughs> Uh, we've got um, Pierre uh, in AlphaTauri, uh, Pierre Gasly and Yuki Sonoda. Sonoda, we kind of know what happened. He was doing all right and then he was an idiot. And then Gasly just had a... No one... Like, the camera rarely panned to him. He just did his job pretty solid. No real questions asked. Aston Martin had Stroll in 11th and Vettel DNF. Vettel very unlucky. Alonso for Alpine didn't have the best race, but he made up for it because Esteban Ocon getting fourth. So unlucky not to get the podium, but an excellent drive from him. How do you guys see the midfield battle going? Uh, well, looking at the uh, constructors at the moment, I think Alpine will do it. I don't see uh, Alfa Terra with, well, if if they had if they had two Gaslies, I would see them overturning it, but yeah, well, Sonoda, who is probably the most inconsistent driver on the grid after Giovinazzi. Um, so I, 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 I see it going Alpine's way. I think Alpine 
use the um, red flag to the advantage. I think they did very well. Alonso had the worst race since um, I would probably say McLaren Honda days, and then I uh, the Alpha Tower again. I didn't really see them except from a torpedo coming through Vettel's side pod. Um, and then Aston Martin, you didn't really see any of them except from Vettel spinning and um, was in some incidents with uh, Raikkonen. Yeah, I agree with Joe. It's, it's the drivers that are making the difference in the constructors for Alpine and AlphaTauri. I think AlphaTauri have the better car because they have the Honda, the Honda engine within that car but they only have one driver that's able to consistently perform well and get decent points for the team. Whereas Alpine might not have the, the best car, but both of their drivers are getting the maximum out of the car they have, especially Ocon from today getting fourth, which probably annoyingly should have been a, a podium. But um, yeah, when they've got Ocon and Alonso doing as well as they are in that car, I think I agree that Alpine should um, get in front of Alpha Tauri which, um, yeah, but deserved. And then Aston Martin, they just had a shocking weekend. They couldn't find any pace whatsoever, both out in Q1. Um, and then the race, I don't think either of them finished, did they? They both? Stroll got 11th. Stroll, oh, he got 11th. Oh, okay. I thought he, I thought he retired. Um, yeah, and it was unlucky for, for Vettel, but um, they just had no pace throughout the whole weekend. And, and then things just didn't get on their side. So, um, yeah, not the best end of the season or season in general for, for Aston Martin. But yeah, I think Alpine with the two drivers, they should just get, get ahead of Alphatari. Mm, yeah, I think that summed up Stroll's race today. You didn't even realise he'd finished. I mean, the camera, again, the camera never panned him. He was just kind of one of the cars. It was almost like an extra in a movie. You have the main characters, Hamilton and Verstappen, and then you've just got... Stroll walking around in the background. No one really notices him, but um, he he is there. But yeah, Alpine are becoming one of my favourite teams on the grid because, as you said, AlphaTauri definitely have the better car. But just through sheer consistency, they've proved people wrong because I know a lot of people favoured AlphaTauri into the season and a few people favoured Aston over them and thought uh, Alpine would be the worst of the three. But Alpine... Their driver lineup's been good. Uh, Alonso, I mean, today didn't have the greatest race, but this season has got some amazing results. Ocon got his first win and almost got a podium. They're becoming a very likable team, and uh, it's definitely been enjoyable watching them. Now, moving on to the battle where we normally have nothing to say between Alfa Romeo and Williams. All I'm going to say is Giovinazzi, two points, ninth. Great drive from him. What do you guys think? What a man. He should not be leaving. I he should be staying. He should be with Bottas next season. He's doing he's actually doing pretty well at the end of this at the end of the season. But yeah, it was a an average. I think probably for the signings it was a good weekend, but um not really sure what Kimmy was doing the whole race. But in terms of Giovinazzi, he was I think he was as high as seventh, maybe higher at some point. So good weekend for him. I'm just, I think he's just trying to prove a point as to why he deserved to be there in the first place. And he's showing us that in, in that towards the end of the season. And then um, Williams, just unlucky with Russell. 
he was breaking because of what happened in front of him. Then Mazepin was just like, nah, it's not going to break. I'm just going to go the lack of you. But, um, I think Latifi was, where did he finish? Did he? 12th. Oh, so that's not too bad. Not 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 too far off the points, but um, pretty much an, an average weekend for both of them. And then obviously it wasn't helped by the fact that Frank Williams obviously passed away during the week and they wanted to do well for him, but um, just not to be. And uh, yeah, just an average weekend for both. Just to put your point on during that, even though he got the points, he got a slower time than a Williams driver. Oh, well, it was um, higher than both. And Stroll. Um so yeah, he, yeah, um, yeah. Well, he didn't really see much of the Alfa Romeo. I, I didn't even know he finished. Uh, <laughs> honestly, do you guys watch the races? Do you? Do I you do watch the race. I just, I just think I don't. I, I thought he was just at the back. The whole footage was Verstappen and Hamilton the whole time. Where else are we supposed to know? Yeah, and and I, I would say if Lando Norris was a bit higher up um, at the start, I think he would have finished ahead of him. Um, but yeah, it's just an average result. I don't think it proves anything. It just proves that he doesn't crash out uh, uh, a very technical track. Which is an accomplishment. He got into Q3 as well. I think that's overlooked. He got he qualified 10th. That's very impressive in that car. Joven actually deserves to be in the sport. He's not in the sport because he doesn't have the money that Guan Yu Zhou does. No, 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 no. Guan Yu Zhou is a talent. <laughs> Giovinazzi is in Formula E, where he belongs. But Guan Yu Zhou is third in the table in F2. It's not. He's not even in the top two drivers on the grid. Um, that's because of some of the incidents, if you watch the uh, F2 races, Sam. I, I literally do. And he's been... He, no, don't get me wrong. Guan Yu Zhou is a good driver, but he's not as good as Giovinazzi. And oh, okay, okay. The, the one driver I said, just to finish off this conversation before we rant on, not actually about this race, but um, I, I, from from watching the F two um at Sarajevo, I, I really think Oscar Barastri should have got that seat. Agree. Now looking, now looking at it, something we can agree on, Joe. Oscar Piastri yeah. should be in that seat. Because he has absolutely stormed F2 this year. He has been so dominant and he's a fantastic driver. And he definitely should be an F1 and not a reserve driver for next season. But yeah, I, I don't want to rant on about how good Giovinazzi is any longer, even though he is the greatest driver of all time. Uh, let's move on to the final team that is Haas. And we can't even really criticize them. Maybe Schumacher, you can criticize for driving into a wall, but. Mazepin didn't really do anything wrong. What do you guys have to say on Haas? Because just a really unlucky weekend for them. I think it was a great weekend for them. They didn't, they didn't have to see their car get lapped at all. So quality weekend for them. <laughs> no, I think um, in regards to Mick, I think just lack of experience didn't help with coming to this track. Um, and the card just doesn't help really either, but it's probably just not the best car to drive. So um, probably a mixture of his own fault in the car. But yeah, I think someone had to crash and it was just unfortunately him. Um, and then Mazepin, yeah, nothing he could do. He couldn't, there were too many cars in front of him, so he couldn't see Perez had already crashed. So 
he couldn't react in time and just unfortunately went into the back of Russell. But um, yeah, solid weekend from them, to be fair. Yeah, I think the only positives you can actually take out from it is that on the um, uh, grid walk, um, and um, I think Martin Brown was speaking to Mick Schumacher that it seemed Mick seems actually excited for next season. So hopefully their car kind of worthy of of um, his talent, and obviously you would maybe see a better result for Mazepin as well. So I think. I think from right, as in like a, a, a sporting side, I think that's that next year for Haas is the main aim. I think you can't really fault Haas this weekend, even though you moan about them every single week. I think it's just, I think, think they, I don't think they should show up next week, ne- next week, because then just, just focus on the next car. The, their season o- was over in Australia. Um, so, Race yeah. Australia. yeah, there was zero oh, race yeah. in Australia this season. Uh, Bahrain, <laughs> sorry. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's just next season, and hopefully they have a, a better car to fight. Maybe the Williams or the um, the um, or just a, a better car to to go into the midfield. I mean, that almost sums up their season pretty well. Their season ended Australia. A race that didn't happen. I mean, they nothing happened with Haas this season. They, they're basically a team that didn't happen. They were just kind of there. I, I mentioned earlier about supporting characters. They're definitely very far in the background supporting characters. But yeah, quite unlucky for them this weekend. Hopefully next season they can do something. Oh my goodness! If not, then Gunter Steiner's going to have a fit. But um, let's let's move on to. Driver of the day, last section of the podcast. Who do you guys have? I have um, Valtteri Bottas. I think the re- the reason I I picked him is because, um, well, he uh, he got Ocon on the line. Um, was I think fifth after the restart, uh, second restart, and then obviously that turn causes chaos anyway. So just got for that safety, and then. Kind of just in his slow manner that he always has, just overtaking the field, overtaking Ricardo, um, and then Ocon at the end. So even though you could probably say, "Oh, it's just an average race from him," but I, I, I do see that he, he is still passionate about um, Mercedes, and um, hopefully. As we look to next season, the Alpha Romeo have a good car for him. Yeah, um, we're going to change from what I put in the chat. And um, um, oh, yeah, because I think Joe was afraid of what he said about him earlier. But um, I'm going to go with Lewis um, just, just, for, um, just for his ability just to stay calm and just all those situations that happened during the race, like all the times he got round Verstappen, but Verstappen just wasn't having any of it and just being rude. And then he just didn't, he didn't fight it back with too much aggression. He was calm and composed and found the right moment to, to attack. And then when he got the damage on his front wing, he was able to keep the car um, around the track and finish the race. There was quite a lot of damage to his front wing, um, which was impressive. And then to get the gap, which, which he'd had at the end, even though it was due to tyres, it, it was still quite the achievement. So um, 
I'm just for the whole weekend as well because he got pole. Um, my driver of the day was Lewis. Yeah, so someone definitely did have to uh, had to say Lewis, but the fact he had wing damage and put in a fastest lap with wing. Oh, his drive was monumental. It has to be said, but. Um, I'm going to go for a surprising pick. The 15 laps of Sergio Perez. They were just superb. That, and here's my driver that now. I'm not actually, I'm not actually going to go for Sergio Perez. I'm going to go for Esteban Ocon. Joe went for the man who pipped him on the line, but I still need to pay credit to this man who has improved dramatically this season. He had he's had some rough times this season. There's been, I think, in Oh, I don't remember the race. I think it might have been Austria. He had some real struggles and he had to replace some bits and pieces. But there were times of the season and towards the start where he really struggled. And to walk out with a race win and even fourth place, even though he didn't get on the podium, fourth place in the Alpine is very good. It's an excellent result. He starts in ninth as well. And to finish fourth, he was leading some of the race. He did the best he could. He, he, he really did well, and it was an excellent drive. So I have to give credit to him, and I'm really happy for him because I tipped him quite a while ago for a Mercedes seat, and then this season I was kind of backtracking, like, yeah, this is never going to happen. And now I'm maybe swayed more towards the possibility that there's a minuscule chance it will happen. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. But, yeah, for me, Esteban Ocon is my driver of the day, and... That wraps up our review on a very hectic, very crazy, very dangerous Saudi Arabia Grand Prix. And wow, what an epic race. If you stay till the end, thank you. We know it's been a long one, but there was so much to unpack. Next race is Abu Dhabi, the finale. Hamilton and Verstappen going into this on level points. So we'll have a preview for that on this Friday where we will... Oh, it, it, there's a lot to get excited about. But yeah, we'll bring you a preview on Mon- uh, on uh, Friday. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, comment what you thought on the incidents. And we will see you on Friday. Thank you for listening and watching. <laughs>